Well, thank you for joining me today's broadcast as we journey through the Bible. This is Ray Martinez and some more great conversations about the Word of God. Today, the question is, when God says, wait. Well, it's really kind of a statement, I guess, not really a question. When does God tell us to wait? And how does he tell us to wait? And why does he tell us to wait? Well, we're going to take our reading from Psalms 40, verses 1 through 2, and it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. I picked this verse because it's significant. It says here in the Psalm of David, the first thing he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Some of us will wait because we have to, but are we patient about it? But here's what he said is the result of waiting for the Lord. It says that in verse 2 that he lifted me out. He set my feet on solid ground. And the third thing that he does is that he steadied me as I walked along. That's what waiting and being patient with the Lord does. It lifts us up. It puts us on solid ground so we're not tripping all over the place. And he steadies our walk, even in the times where it is rough and we think we're having trouble. In our culture today and in this world today, I don't think any of us like to wait. It's not something we look forward to. We've all heard the familiar phrases that so many times like, wait, or wait a minute, or just wait. Hold your horses. Please hold. Your call is very important to us. Someone will be with you shortly. Doesn't that just bug you? And then the crosswalk button as you cross intersection now says, wait. <laughs> In the army, everything is hurry up and wait. And much of our life is spent at the red light waiting. Let's add some data to this idea of waiting. There's 122 days or about four months of your life tapping your fingers behind the wheel, waiting for a red light. And if you're one of those overachievers who decides to push the retirement to 75, that number shoots up to 142 hours or 4.7 months sitting at red lights. <laughs> Hard to imagine. Do we put our wait time to good use? That's a good question. The psalmist David knew it well. In Psalms 40, verse 1 through 2, he said it very clearly. The LA Times says that we spend about five years waiting in lines. Five years of our life. According to a Timex survey, Americans wait on an average of 20 minutes a day for the bus or a train. 32 minutes whenever they visit a doctor. 28 minutes in the security lines wherever they travel. It's amazing, we are constantly waiting. There are times in our lives when God calls us to wait so that he can help us work out our hearts and our minds and our attitudes, and even our health. Sometimes during these waiting experiences, God helps us to understand what's been slowing us down. Once God gets us back to our firm place, we can run our race much more effectively pursuing our goals with renewed energy and focus. If you find 
yourself sidelined or in a wait line today. Think closely about the work God may be doing in your life. Someone once said God has three answers. Yes, no, and wait. (laughs) There's some merit to that, isn't there? There's no greater expert to consult to get you back on track because, as David also wrote, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Read it for yourself. Psalms 139 verses 1 through 3. We are taught to wait on the Lord. Joseph waited over 13 years before his prophetic promise was fulfilled. Moses waited 40 years before he had his divine encounter with the flaming voice of God in the burning bush. Jesus waited 30 years before his ministry started. Even God is waiting for us. Look at Isaiah 30 verse 18. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. We think we're waiting for God, but he is also waiting for us. Even the farmers have to wait. It is the perfect analogy given by James. Look at James chapter 5, verse 7 through 8. And he says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Even Paul waited in prison. The truth is, waiting is one of the hardest things in our walk with Christ. Yet the Bible is clear. Just because you are waiting on your breakthrough, it does not mean that you are not doing nothing. Paul's waiting in prison wasn't a waste of time. He wrote half of the New Testament of the Bible while waiting in jail. Psalms 37.7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. I'm going to share with you seven principles to help us with waiting on God. There's many more, but I think these are highlights that will help you out. Step one, keep trusting God daily. When we think about it, waiting is synonymous with trusting. If we are willing to wait on God, then we're obviously willing to trust God. The truth is that we need God every day, and as you are waiting on God, we must commit to trusting God each and every day. I found that one of the best ways to remind myself of my daily decisions to trust God is to say in my prayer time, not my will, but thy will be done. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 talks about trust in the Lord in all thy ways and acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's what happens when you wait. Step number two, that is to pray. My advice to people seeking God's will is to pray and stop thinking. Pray and stop planning. Pray and stop talking. Did you ever talk with someone who was willing to talk to everyone but God about his problems? Prayer is prayer. We are called to talk to God about our problems so we can sense what we should do. To be true, 
prayer does take on many forms and means, but essentially it is talking to God about your circumstances. We need to seek the Lord in prayer. Sometimes we just need to be quiet with the Lord. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Romans 12.12 says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Step three, have expectation. Believe that God will reward your efforts. Believe that you will receive what you are seeking. Avoid double-mindedness. James cautions us not to be double-minded. We must be sure of what we hope for. We must believe that God is able to do what he has promised. Step four, hear from the Holy Spirit. We must realize that we cannot have success without the Holy Spirit. Even though we are redeemed, we must not ignore the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper, leader, and our director in life. We must be led by Him, and we must allow Him to direct and help us. We need to hear from Him regarding how best to pray for our uniqueness and our individual makeups and circumstances of life. Step 5. Spend time in His presence. Spending time with God is vital. Jesus prayed all night long, and Paul and Silas got up at midnight to sing praises, and the glory of God manifested. Folks, God has not changed, so we need to hear from the Holy Spirit, which will gauge how much time we need to spend with Him to have a successful and effective prayer life. He enjoys our company in the place of prayer. Billy Graham once said, when God seems so far away, guess who moved first? Valuable point. Step six, let go of your complaining. We know on any given day, we can all find countless things to complain about. What value can you add to your life by complaining? Will it shorten the length of time that you have to wait? Or will it prolong it and just make our life miserable and put a damper on our mood and make us even more unhappy? Or we can make a conscious decision to rise above the trials and be happy. Philippians 2 verse 14 through 15 says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Proverbs 17:22, A joyful heart is a good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Step number seven, let go of your fears and self-defeating thoughts. Many of the things that hold us back in life are as a result of the self-defeating thoughts that we have concocted. They are unreal and more so imaginary, and it is what prevents us from moving ahead in life. While in your hour of waiting, stay away from entertaining negative thoughts which will only lead to you feeling depressed. Joshua 1, 8 and 9 talks about this. One of the first things Joshua told us people was to fear not. The psalmist tells us, as for God, his way is perfect. Psalms 18, verse 30. If God's ways are perfect, then we can trust that whatever he does and whatever his timing is also perfect. When we grasp that fact, Waiting on God is not only made less difficult, it actually becomes joyful. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, The promises of God are clear on this matter. 
in waiting on God, we find our strength renewed. The moral of the story is, when you don't wait on the Lord, you end up with consequences that hurt or nag you in the end. The Lord knows what's best for us, and that's why He wants us to wait for His appointed time to make things happen. For example, Abraham and Sarah were past time to bear children and had given up waiting on God. But once they took the matter into their own hands, they actually failed God. This not only brought a lot of extra turmoil into his marriage, but it brought long-lasting consequences. Ishmael was born, and from him arose Israel's permanent enemy right up to this day. Muhammad is considered to be one of the many descendants of Ishmael, the oldest still existing biography of Muhammad today. Muslims are also believed that Muhammad was the descendant of Ishmael, who would establish a great nation. The descendants of Ishmael became known as Arabs, which basically means nomads. From the beginning, the descendants of Ishmael were a warlike people as they lived in the hostility towards all the tribes related to them. Read it at Genesis 25, verse 18. This fulfilled God's earlier word that Ishmael would be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. Genesis 16, 12. In Genesis 17, 19, it says, Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. But God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear your son, and you shall have his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him. See, God is really in charge. Waiting on God is never easy, but we wait in the knowledge that God knows our situation. He cares for our needs, and he is good to the end. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Psalms 27:14, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. I think the message is clear. Have a blessed day and take some time to wait on God today.